Hello and welcome into the 48 Minutes Podcast by Believe. I'm Ross Geiger. This is episode number 10 for the show, and I'm happy to be joined alongside my co-host Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media and World B, Michael Freer. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Great day of basketball, lots of afternoon games, helping us celebrate the Dr. Martin Luther King holiday. Always a big NBA day, maybe only second to Christmas. Yeah, World B. Today was a great day for watching hoops, uh, except if you're a fan of the Hornets or the Knicks, which as <laughs> luck would have it, I happen to be uh, fans of both. So, uh, And after what happened in or- with the Magic on Sunday, this has been a real uh, great 24 hours of, of uh, hoops for this fan. Well, you know what, World B? Uh, watch the Houston Rockets tonight play the Lakers, and maybe they'll – Make you feel a little bit bit better not being a Rockets fan because that has been quite ugly as of late. But uh, let's go ahead and get into our opening tips. Bruce, we'll let you tip things off for us here tonight. Well, one team that didn't play on Martin Luther King Day is the Brooklyn Nets, uh, who are struggling since they lost Kevin Garnett kind of as expected. Kevin Uh, Durant. Kevin Durant, thank you. What did I say, (laughs) Kevin Garnett? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They could use him too. Lost him too. Thanks to Kevin Garnett going to the Nets. We have Jason Tatum now. So anyway, I digress. Uh, Since KD went down, Nets are 0-2. They were averaging 114.5 points prior to his injury. They're now averaging 100. Kyrie Irving has shot 36.3% from the field in the two games since he's gone down, averaging only 19.5 points. So uh, I would say that uh, if early indications mean anything, Brooklyn is in for a long three to four weeks without KD. Yeah, I was actually uh, looking at some of the post-game chatter from the Nets team in their last, the most recent loss. And Joe Harris, I think, said it best. Right now, this team is really focusing on shooting from the mid-range. And that team is not not good from the mid-range. They really don't even have the personnel from that. So you know, Joe said after the game that he had talked with some of his teammates and, and, and made it known to the media that, you know, we got to start shooting more threes and, or either get into the basket. And uh, quite ironically, after our, our good friend Jared Greenberg joined the show and had mentioned just how little uh, Ben Simmons is shooting the basketball, not sure if you guys noticed, but uh, in their next game that night, Ben Simmons went 0 for 1 from the field, but still ended with a double-double. But um as you said, Bruce, in, in episode nine, he's got to do something offensively, and he he still hasn't. And um, much like you, I'm quite concerned. Yeah, absolutely. World B, what are your concerns tonight, if any? Uh, no concern off the top. I'm uh, uh, my opening thought is how I think uh, Anthony Edwards hopefully will get some serious consideration or at least make the All Star team. Uh, this year, he's he doesn't get mentioned when you look at breakdown. It's probably a number saying why he may not be selected. But if you look at his numbers, they've been really impressive this year on a team that's really gone through a lot of changes and it hasn't worked out. The Rudy trade, Gobert trade just hasn't worked. But here's a guy who is the number one overall pick. He's improved his scoring, rebounding, assists, field goal percentage, and three point percentage every season he's been in the league. He had 29 on Monday. He scored 20 or more in 16 of his last 17 games. He's just outside the top 10 in minutes. He's really doing – and the, the value he is to the Timberwolves on a team that has Rudy, 
and Carl uh, Anthony Towns, who's been injured, obviously. But when he is not on the court, they score almost 11 points per 100 possessions less than when he is on the court. I mean, you take, for example, you take Rudy Gobert, they score more points when he's off the court. They score seven, almost eight more points a game per 100 possessions when he's off the court. Than when he's on, so his value to the team is has been tremendous this year. He keeps getting better, and I'd really like to see him making an All Star team this year. He maybe will. It just doesn't look like the numbers may bear that out. Yeah, and it's going to be a true test for uh, the Ant Man, Anthony Edwards, here soon. Uh, in today's game, Rudy Gobert actually got injured. I believe he only yeah. played four minutes in tonight's game. Um, so. Bruce, your, your hopes of maybe getting Nas Reed could be uh, out the door now with both Cat uh, and Rudy Gobert sidelined. They're really going to need to rely upon uh, Nas Reed for some five-man minutes. But, you know, Anthony Edwards is going to be tested with, with Gobert off the floor. And as you said, we're going to see just the effect he has when he's off the court, um, you know, with, with a defensive guy like uh, Gobert not around to, to help them out. My opening tip, guys, is just actually a question. And, and my question is, which team or teams, since it does take two to tango, uh, will be the first domino to tip over the trade in, around the league? I think the last trade restriction has now passed on January 15th. The NBA trade li- deadline's on February 9th. So that's right around the corner. We'll be here before we know it. And what I can tell you from working in the NBA for seven years is so much of the trends in the league, especially when it comes to trading and and kind of just waiting. It's, it's almost like a junior high dance. Who's going to be that first person out on the dance floor? All right. And it, it, it takes one trade to kind of get that domino effect going, get everybody in the mood to start making some moves. And um, I, I'm, I'm waiting to see who's gonna, going to be the one to do it. I actually spoke with a league executive uh, since our last taping, asking him if he thinks it's coming in the, in the near future. He thinks it's going to be slow up until probably a day or two before the deadline. But I'm going to kind of disagree with him, despite him being an inside source. I just don't see a lot of these teams just sitting back, continuing to lose games, not be competitive when uh, a lot of the teams that I'm referring to are ones that we were, were thinking were deadlocks to be in the playoffs. And we got a lot of teams that should have been, you know, top four or five, respectively, in their conferences, not in the, not in contention right now. They're more in the play in tournament. And so. You know, there, there's some names that I'm keeping an eye on for sure. Amir Coffey of the Clippers, Dwayne Dedman of the Miami Heat, Jordan Nora of the Milwaukee Bucks, Chris Boucher of the Toronto Raptors. And uh, at this point in time, I think it'd even just take like an Amir Coffey for Dwayne Dedman swap, which would make sense for both of those two teams uh, to really get the party, party started. So that that's what I'm looking forward to. And uh, I can't wait for someone just to, get out on that dance floor and start dancing. So, Wouldn't you I was think looking, it would have to be the Suns at this point to get rid of Crowder? Wouldn't you would you think, think They right? would have to be the first team. They, I mean, how he's still around is yep. you know hard for me to fathom at this point. He's just – they're paying him not, or, you know, not to play. Yep. Um, and there are teams that he could go to, and we've mentioned this before in previous podcasts, there are teams that could use him. Yeah, and, like Phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> like Phoenix. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. and uh, and if he's not going to be there, I mean, why why not trade him? Why not give get value for him? There are right. teams that want him. You yep. you have you have somebody that teams want, and you can get something out of them. But I mean, I don't know all the ins and outs. Apparently, 
How about like playing him? I mean, on Monday or today, as we record this, they got absolutely smoked by Memphis, uh, yep. and they're they're currently in the number twelve spot, but they're really very close to the number six spot, right? Because that whole Western Conference bottom of the so, I mean, to me, it's like well, you should at least, unless you just want to lose every game, because uh, that's what they're doing right about now. Um, you know, I was looking at Mark Stein's Substack. Mark, obviously, Hall of Fame uh, NBA journalist. He was talking about a, a few rumors, and I'll just throw them out there because I can blow through them pretty quickly. Uh, he thinks he says that the Clippers are interested in Mike Conley Jr. from Utah if Utah becomes a seller uh, because John Wall's going to be out for a couple weeks. Uh, he says uh, that uh, Kyle Kuzma, who's averaging 21-7 and almost four assists, will not be traded by the Wizards. Um, okay. We'll see. Uh, Miami really likes D'Angelo Russell, uh, but he's making $31 million, And in order to make that deal work, Minnesota would have to take Kyle Lowry, which is highly unlikely as he's a injured older guy with two years, I believe, left on his contract. And, uh, and there's a three-way possible trade he talked about between the Cavaliers, the Jazz, and the Hawks, where the uh, Cavaliers would get Malik Beasley, the Jazz would get John Collins, and the Hawks would get possibly Karis Levert. So that's just some of the stuff that, that Stein is, uh, is ruminating over. Wow. Yeah. I'd be interested in all of those trades. I think the one that really stood out to me though, Bruce would be uh, the one with Mike Conley going to the Clippers. That would be a big statement by Utah to kind of just punt this season after they've had a surprising start to the year. They won another big game uh, earlier tonight in uh, Minnesota and um I, I hope that doesn't happen just for the Jazz' sake. Uh, I, I've really been a fan of the the quality basketball team play that that team has played this year. But um, yeah, Mike Conley would be a great get for a Clippers team that, as we've noted, have some inconsistent point guards in both Reggie Jackson and John Wall. They absolutely, by the way, Utah does not get enough credit, not get, not get talked about enough for what they did they're doing this year. I mean, they gutted that franchise. Their two best players gone. They got rid of the coach or he left, however you want to look at it. Uh, and so we all thought they were going to end up being like the Spurs are this year. And it's not been the case. Their offense is right up to her, the best of them, despite all the changes. White lost, losing everybody. Getting marketing was obviously a, a huge, uh, surprising uh, pick by them, you know, to the way he's performed. But, yeah, I'm, they don't get talked about nearly enough. They're not going to be a contender. We know that. So I agree with you. It would, I wouldn't like to see them punt the season, on the other hand, because it's been such a surprise. But on the other hand, they're, they're really not in that contender uh, list. Totally agree with you there, Will B. Well, to open up our first quarter, I thought we'd share some reactions from today's slate of games on the Martin Luther King holiday. Uh, Bruce, we'll start with you since I think – your guys were the first team to tip things off here today. You want to talk about uh, the Boston Celtics? All right. Twist my arm. I'll talk about the Celtics. <laughs> You're a rock. Jason, <laughs> Jason Tatum somehow or another managed 51 points today. Uh, 15 out of 23 from the floor, 14 out of 14, out of 14 from the line, nine rebounds, five assists. Every time I watch that guy play, I think – Gee, he reminds me a little bit of Bob McAdoo sometimes, the old-timer who could just score so smoothly and fluidly. Today, he looked like Kevin Durant. I mean, easy money yeah. sniper today. Just, you know, similar length, 
just draining three pointers like there was nobody out there against him. <laughs> and you know, and and Boston, look, they they had a really nice you know weekend, you know, Saturday Monday uh, double back to back against Charlotte. I mean, a team that's just in a terrible place right now. And he, as World B and I were texting uh, with you before. Even their fans were chanting, chanting MVP. Yeah. When, when, and, <laughs> yeah. and I know that that must hurt you badly, World B, because I know that you have a great affinity for Charlotte. Oh, I, I, I'm a Hornets follower since I lived there for so many years and watched them go through some, you know, horrendous seasons since their return. And and this is uh, really shaping up to be a just a – well, not shaping up. It is a terrible season uh, for whatever reason you want to – explain you know define it or explain it it's just been a terrible season but um yeah tatum was on fire right from the start uh, i got to watch the game from the beginning and you know they jumped all over him early it got tight now in the second half charlotte made a run got it down to two a number of times but just couldn't get you know get it tied. i don't think they ever had it tied and i don't think it was uh after a while it you know they pulled away because you know you mentioned you somehow jason tatum got to 51. Well, I know how you playing the Hornets in the defense. It's, it's not hard to figure out how it's, it's, uh, he, uh, but he was on fire. He got 14 to 14 from the line. Uh, he, he scored a bunch of his points late when they were pulling away, just hitting three after three from the wing. And it was just incredible. The fans were going crazy. It's, uh, it was, you know, obviously Boston is a national following. They're one of those teams. And, uh, it was a good effort for a while for the Hornets to get back in it, but there's just too much on the, on the plate for uh, the Celtics to lose a game like this. And they clearly wanted to win and get out of the way because they went up early. So that's seven in a row for my boys, Ross. And it looks to me like, you know, where other teams, you know, they hit a little bit of a dry patch about a month ago. They seem to have corrected things. And now it, it almost looks like they're starting to separate ever so slightly from, from some of the teams, uh, other top teams in the East. Yeah, I mean, outside of the obvious with Jason Tatum being a very bad, bad man tonight, uh, just overall, the ball movement on the perimeter, they were putting up a high volume of threes, which I know Boston fans got to be excited about because that's when they're playing at their best, shooting a ton of three balls. Um, Derek White, he's been huge as of late. Uh, he's really stepped up his play uh, entering the starting lineup. Uh, he was 3 of 7 from deep here tonight. Al Horford, 2 of 4 hit a key one from the corner uh, when the sh when Charlotte was on a run. And uh, got to give a shout-out to uh, Jalen McDaniels. He had a huge game for uh, mm -hmm. the Hornets and increased his trade value. He had 26 points on 9 of 15 shooting, 5 of 7 from 3. So hopefully that will help him uh, and, and Charlotte on the trade market as far as uh, you know maybe offering him to a team like Phoenix. He has been linked to the Suns before, so that's kind of an interesting destination for him. Um, but – Credit to Boston's defense. What what really stood out is Lamelo Ball really couldn't get anything going. wasn't able to find a lot of passing lanes when he did try to pass it. They were shut off or closed out early, and um, you know Lamelo ended with a with only six assists. Usually that guy's got six assists at halftime. So uh, Boston keeps rolling as you uh, stated, Bruce, and uh, they look back to their old ways with or without Jalen Brown. By the way, uh, real quick before you get to the next game. Uh, I saw something in this game. I don't remember the last time I've seen. There were four occasions where a three-point shooter got fouled. The Hornets did it three times, and the Celtics did it once. You get one of those a game and really no more. I saw four of them today. That's just yeah. unbelievable. 
I thought you were going to say you saw something you'd never seen before. Miles Plumley made a free throw, but well, left hand, left lefty. hand free throw. Yeah, just kind of like eyes a open. push eyes shot open now. Too. Yeah, it is the ugliest thing. It's so it ugly. really. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a push shot from just outside the paint that he does with his left hand now too. Times I've seen it, it's been effective, but it's not pretty to watch. Um, so you're saying that when we do our next build your perfect player uh, exercise, it's not going to be Miles Plumley's release? No, but maybe if we do our, our our favorite imperfect player, maybe we'll throw that out sometime and, and come up with the ugliest things around the league. That would be fun. We should do that. Yeah. By the way, Markel Fultz's free throw shooting form I witnessed last night was not a whole lot better. It was it was not it was it looked like something out of a CYO game. Well, it beats Jeremy Sohans, the underhand. He's going underhand <laughs> since he's <laughs> he's not having much luck, so might as well just try the granny shot. But well, second game I want this week. I can't keep up. Rocking? It's right, either anyway, green, sorry. blue, or I don't know. He's got he's always got something on. At least there's some some reason to keep us on our toes in San Antonio this year because it's been quite a quite a year. Um, second game I wanted to go to was. Uh, World B's New York Knicks, they were hosting um, a tough opponent in the Toronto Raptors who have been playing better as of recently. And uh, why don't you kick us off, World B? Well, geez. Let's see. <laughs> let's, let's, let's. Well, first of all, the Raptors cheated. Some I haven't figured out how, but they did it. They cheated somehow. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you on how later. But, uh, I mean, it was a good, exciting game, you, you know, RJ Barrett ties it up late with the with the dunk, and uh, he had a really big night uh, for a change. Uh, yeah. Thirty two, he still can't shoot outside of the paint with anything. Two of nine from I saw three thirty two points and go two of nine from three point range. Well, you go ten for eleven from the line. I guess that's how. Uh, so they got a nice effort from Julius Randle and and Brunson almost won at the end, although he really had a, a troublesome uh, game with his shot, but. A lot of free throws in this game, 76 combined. I mean, that's a that's a lot there. But yeah, get credit to Toronto. They, you know, they they battled there. They they had a lead. They lost it. They got it back in overtime. They almost gave it away again. But I mean, you know, all five starters and double figures and Van Vliet, 33 points. That's I mean, you can go the way he's played, he can go a week without 33 points some you know, sometimes mm-hmm. this season. He's really had a tough time with his shot, but you know, obviously got it together today. And uh, Scotty uh, Scotty Barnes got a, had a nice night. He haven't had that uh, of late. Twenty three points and uh, nine of thirteen from the line, seven boards, four assists. And Siakam was you know uh, the way he usually is and steady. He didn't have the fifty two he had a few weeks ago against the Knicks. He had to sell for just twenty and, and nine, along mm-hmm. with six assists, but. You know, a really good game. Not a, a whole lot of guys played a whole lot of minutes tonight. I mean, RJ got forty nine minutes tonight, <laughs> and they had that's a that's a lot of minutes, boys and girls. And you know, Randall played forty two, Brunson played forty three, Barnes played forty four. I mean, Siakam played forty six, Van Lee played forty four. Uh, apparently, you know, they only sued up five guys from the for uh, Monday <laughs> afternoon games for each team, but. Well, in fairness, that game did go to overtime. So, uh, absolutely, but with fifty-three minutes, still you, you're still looking at right. a lot of guys. I mean, that means RJ Barrett sat for less than four minutes. 
<laughs> That's called Tom Thibodeau load management or load <laughs> mismanagement or something. I'm just going to run you into the ground. Is, you know, just, holy Siakam played 46 minutes and he fouled out with, I think, two minutes to go in the overtime. So he would have yeah. played 48. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. But as you mentioned, will be credit to Toronto. They battled back in that second half. Their first second half lead came with a minute one left on the clock and wow. uh, went ahead and forced overtime and came out on top in that extra five-minute period. Big win for Toronto. Obviously, they're trying to make up for some uh, bad losses previously this season, and this is definitely one that uh, they can definitely hang their hat on and, and be excited about because it uh, wasn't looking good. Knicks had control. Julius Randle was playing out of his mind, uh, but they just hung in there and uh, came back for the win. Next game I wanted to talk about was uh, the Pacers at the Bucks. I was under the impression that Giannis was going to play today. It sounded like from all reports as of last night that, that Giannis was going to suit up, and then it came out just this morning in the pregame that he was going to sit an extra day, which I think threw the Bucks for a loophole there. And uh, they found themselves down at half to the Indiana Pacers, who are without Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, the Pacers did get back Miles Turner, who had been out, and – TJ McConnell, of all of all players of uh, the Pacers, 25 points at halftime. I know that we were chatting about that as that one was going on. TJ, I think, ended up with uh, 29 points, nine assists. Uh, he had a heck of a game. But um, as I mentioned, you know, it is a national holiday today, Bruce. So, uh, you know, Drew was a huge key from Milwaukee. I don't find that too much of a coincidence. Yeah, well, Drew Holiday delivered today. But his two brothers, Aaron and... <laughs> And Justin took the holiday off as they combined for zero points in the Atlanta game. Yeah. So, so that one that that one was an interesting one in Milwaukee, of course. Uh, without Giannis and Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday being able to help them on top, and a guy that we have not talked about enough on Milwaukee this year. He's one of the leaders in the league in double doubles. Bobby Portis. I don't think we've talked about how important he has been to that team this year with his production. He had another. Solid game for the Bucks and uh, a key home win for them uh, as they were without two of their three stars. Um, Will be any any other games that you watched uh, today that you think are worth noting? Well, I thought I thought you know Miami and uh, Atlanta was a it wasn't a great game from the standpoint of uh, you know didn't go to overtime. The Heat never led, but it was a good uh, it was a good effort for. Atlanta, a team that really needs to start getting getting together. Now they get up to 500. You know, we've, we've talked about them on previous podcasts, what a train wreck they look like they had been for a long time. And all of a sudden, you know, you're facing a Miami team that was playing better and was, you know, had won three in a row, seven out of ten. It looked like they had things going. And they go and they, they took it to Miami. I mean, they really uh, hammered them good. And you you're starting to see when everybody gets healthy and we're going to talk about a little bit later, the, the importance of depth, how much uh, that factors, even to a team like Atlanta, you know, that has uh, Bogdanovich coming off the bench, how quality he can be along with those guys, you know, the backcourt played really well for Atlanta, 52 points combined between Murray and young. That was impressive. Um, and he shot the ball well from three point range, almost 50%, 13 of, 27. So, you know, good effort by Atlanta to get uh, maybe make a push and get back going into this uh, playoff picture. We never really consider them much of a 
a threat for obvious reasons. They weren't. Uh, so now they're, you know, they're 500. Maybe things can get going for them. Yeah, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on on Atlanta, especially around the trade deadline with John Collins being a guy that's been, you know, noted as someone who could be out the door and maybe a little shakeup, a minor shakeup at that could uh, help them propel them into at least a play in spot in the Eastern Conference. One note I had on uh, Miami Heat, Bruce, you had mentioned that the other night they went a perfect 40 of 40 from the line. Tonight they were 19 of 20 from the line. So didn't get to the line too much, but when they did, once again, just a stellar performance from the team from, from the charity stripe. That was one game today that I that I kind of I was watching a bunch of games and that one sort of slipped through the cracks. I'm just curious, did did Tyler Hero play today? He did. Yep. He yeah. played uh 31 minutes, 15 points on seven to sixteen shooting. Uh did struggle from the outside. He was one of eight from downtown, but uh definitely the whole team it, struggled. Yeah, definitely a welcome addition back for that Miami Heat uh, group, though, that have been very shorthanded here as of late. So yeah. uh, I knew Butler had big numbers today, and I think Bam had like 20 and 13. That's just from box score memory type of thing. But uh, that makes it, the fact that Hero played makes that Atlanta victory uh, even more impressive today. So good for them. Absolutely. And, and then – the game we already talked about a little bit and just briefly mentioned was the Grizzlies pounding the Phoenix Suns in Memphis tonight. Uh, Suns had quite the uh, dismal starting lineup going. Uh, we can talk about that if you want, but figured we'd mostly focus on the Grizzlies and the Nuggets here for our second quarter as both those two teams are really starting to separate themselves atop the Western Conference. After tonight's win over Phoenix, the Grizzlies have now won a league high 10 straight games. That is the highest active winning streak in the league as we speak here tonight. And uh, Bruce, I want to I want to start with you on this one and kind of see what you're seeing from those two teams and why you think they are separating themselves. What are you noticing about what they're doing? Well, you know, the thing about Memphis is that, you know, and we we talk about this almost every time we discuss Memphis. That is a team that knows who they are. They have a style. They have a, a kind of a culture and they kind of stick with it. And also I know later on as, as world BTs, we're going to talk a little bit about teams with depth that could make a deep run. That is a deep, deep team right there. I mean, they've got John Moran, they've got Desmond Bain. You know, we talk about best backcourts in the NBA. I mean, that one's right up there, you know, certainly from the offensive point of view, you've got, you know, triple J Jaron Jackson, Jr., possibly the best shot blocker in the NBA right now, although he hasn't played enough games to qualify for the lead. But uh, the, the official leader is is uh, Nick Claxton at 2.6. JJJ is averaging 3.2. He just needs to play a few more games. And then you've got, you know, a guy like Dylan Brooks, who's, you know, mid-teens, you know, scorer, but plays with such passion. I mean, he's almost like a Marcus Smart kind of a engine on their team in some ways. Uh and then one of my favorite guys, the caveman, Stephen Adams. I believe he's leading the league in offensive rebounds. He's just a relentless banger, uh, a legitimate tough guy. And, you know, and then you got a guy like Brandon Clark, who's also coming off the bench, averaging 10 and 5 in under 20 minutes. I mean, that team is well, you know, insulated from injury. If somebody goes down, they have capable backups. Uh, and to me, that's a team that, uh, again, along with Denver, and Boston, I mean, those are the top three teams. Yeah, and you mentioned that that team has an identity. 
that I think always stems back to the front office as well. Got to give them a ton of credit. Um, you just look at their team from start some from from top to bottom, and they just have a bunch of bangers at every position. They are such a big team, big physical team. I mean, coming off their bench, Brendan Clark's huge. David Roddy's big. Aldama's big. Zaire Williams is big. Xavier Tillman, Jake Lavriera, all those guys at their positions are bigger guys. And so they they really know how to kind of fit a niche within within their system. And they're all interchangeable at, at you know, a certain point. And um, tonight, as you mentioned, with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. being amongst the leaders in blocks, he had six swats in tonight's game. So he's definitely continuing to climb the, the block totals in the league. And uh, got to give a special shout out. I've been very hard on him, but John Morant, not sure if you guys saw it and we would be doing a disservice to NBA fans if we didn't talk about this. I think John Morant has the dunk of the year over Aaron Gordon. Now what he did the other night to Jalen Smith on the Indiana Pacers. I mean, he just almost ended him. Did you guys see that? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> now now Jalen Smith goes, what about six ten? Six ten, yep. And Ja is what, like six, what, five, two. six, six? I don't even know. He's uh, that six, two, six, three. Yeah, he's like six, three tops. Yeah. So six, three, just absolutely posterizing, demoralizing a six, ten. That it was the dunk, perhaps, of the last several years. Yeah. That's one of those dunks you see in, uh, I don't know if you guys remember Slam Ball when that was on TV. But that's certainly – that's what it looked like. He cocked that thing all the way back and just flushed it on him. And I just kept thinking about slam ball seeing that. I mean, when John Morant takes off and has an open lane, it, it really does look like he's jumping off a trampoline. So <laughs> quite incredible there. Well, we'll be – I want to pick your brain on the other team that I had mentioned, the Denver Nuggets. All right? I know it all starts with the Joker. Um, but, but what are some things you're seeing in these last couple of games that are helping them separate – um, from the rest of the Western Conference. Well, the thing that I've criticized them about, and actually last night, Sunday night, was critical the way they played, but they were still really good, is their defense. I mean, this month, they're, you know, they've been every month, October, November, December, they were in the bottom half of the league in defensive efficiency. So far in January, they're, they're top five. They're number four. They're only allowing, they're allowing less than 110 points per 100 possessions. So, you know, when they got a team that's as good as they are offensively and you have them step it up on defense, it's really – they're really going to be a tough team to beat. They're – you know, their offense is still the way – as good as it's been. It's as good as it's been any month this season in efficiency and shooting. It's their highest averages in efficiency, their highest uh, effective field goal percentage of any month this season. And we're talking about a team that's first or second in offense every month. And they're just getting better. That's that's ridiculous. They didn't even need a super offensive effort last night or Sunday night, excuse me, from uh, from Joker. You know, he had he had one field goal attempt in the fourth quarter Sunday night. Just happened to be the game winning three. That was the uh, one of the all you know great daggers <laughs> of the season because he was looking around for somebody to pass to and he couldn't find him. So it's all right. Well, I got to step. Time's running out. I'll just step back and take a three with somebody in my face. I mean, it's just an incredible run that, that he's on and that they're on. Um, the one thing I would say, and I mentioned this before the show, they're starting to separate themselves, but don't rule out the New Orleans Pelicans yet as far as 
being a part of in this conference. They're not healthy right now. They're missing Williamson. They're you know Zion. They're missing Brandon Ingram, and they're still winning games. They're still you know tonight notwithstanding. Uh, yeah. Because but they're the only team in the West among Western Conference teams that's in the top ten in offensive and defensive efficiency, and that you know they, they are very much. The way they play and the way they score is very similar to the Grizzlies. They're not a good shooting team, and yet they're managed to be among the best and the most efficient teams in the league because I, they get second chance points. They get points off turnovers. They go on a fast break. They get all. They get points in the paint. They're in the top ten in all these categories. So they're a team when they get healthy now. I'm I'm doing this all the assumption at some point before the end of the season they're going to have a healthy lineup. If they don't, then, well, you know, it's nighty-night. But assuming they get healthy, that's a team that can rack up some wins and really uh, make a mess of things for the other two uh, in the West. Bruce. Russ, what are your what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I, I, I have a few flip thoughts. It to me? On, yeah, I was going to flip it to you. Get You know, you've been right. giving us all, you know, you've been dropping dimes. You need to get a yeah. couple buckets here. Okay, yeah. I mean, what I was seeing last night when the Nuggets uh, squeaked out that win as uh, – will be alluded to was Aaron Gordon. I know I've mentioned him all year and I'll continue to do it until I'm blue in the face, but played 32 minutes, had 25 points, which was a team high nine of 13 shooting. So he was super efficient. And, and what I've noticed about Aaron Gordon here recently is he's really starting to create a lot of the offense as well. I know it all starts with the Joker and he, he kind of initiates the offense, but don't get me wrong here. Aaron Gordon is, creating offense for others. He had five assists in the last game. His assist totals for this year are well above his career averages. And so he's starting to attract a lot more attention from opposing defenses. And he has been able to recognize it and be selfless with the basketball. And I think that's been huge for them in a season where Michael Porter Jr. really hasn't been up to par. I mean, it's nice that he's back, but he's been a roller coaster as far as performance and same, same kind of goes with Jamal Murray. So um, I just can't stop giving credit to, to Aaron Gordon because he has just been a tremendous piece to that team. And uh, I think he's what's continuing to keep that engine run along with Jokic. Well, you know, uh, I know that uh, you you could say that they really kind of have a legitimate big three now if you want to throw Murray in there. I mean, he's yeah. played, you know, he's played 36 of their games, so he's only missed a handful of games and, you know. Almost 17 a game, or uh, no, almost 19 a game uh, for Murray. Uh, you know, for starting to four play boards. better too. Yeah, he's starting to he's starting to play, uh, starting to you know play a little bit better, and that's you know can only mean good things for for that team. But you know, his uh, three point shooting, I believe, on the above the break uh, area of the three point line so far this month, he's the third best shooter, and. You know, that, which is what you know the Nuggets need. They need another guy, another offensive threat. They need somebody at that position to be another offensive threat. But he's uh, he's starting to get his shot together, and on a team that's already great offensively, that, that only means trouble for the rest of the league. Yep. So after tonight with Memphis win, Denver and the Grizzlies both at thirty wins, thirteen losses. Um, Another team I wanted to talk about here for our third quarter is the Sacramento Kings. This is a team that is flourishing under the leadership of their new head coach and Mike Brown. 
currently look at Bruce smile. Look at Bruce smile. The very <laughs> mention who, who else in the country outside of Sacramento starts smiling when the, when the name Sacramento Kings comes up, just yeah. Bruce, I think I'm just, well, Russ loves Sacramento. So, I, I, mean, I love the know, Kings. Yeah. The so, team. So, but, but I'm just so happy for Mike Brown and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Mike Brown is, is I'll admit he's a friend. We've managed to stay in touch over the years. I'm hoping maybe one week we'll have him come on this show. I think that would be awesome if he did. Uh, I'll, I'll be working on that down the road. Uh, but it's like, it's so weird because this guy has always hung his hat on his teams playing rugged defense, but Sacramento is leading the NBA in scoring. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And they're very mediocre defensively. Uh, I'm sure World B has numbers to back that up. I have a couple. His are usually much more sophisticated. But, I mean, DeMontis Sabonis, he's an MVP candidate. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. If he doesn't finish in the top 10, he's not going to win it, obviously. But, I mean, it, it'll be a crime if he doesn't at least finish in the top 10 of the NBA uh, MVP voting this year. Sabonis so is the uh, newly named Western Conference Player of the Week. Uh, as well. He's been playing extremely good. And, and going back real quickly to Mike Brown, uh, I have involved myself in some Sacramento Kings fan circles because, you know, if there was any fan base I could be a part of right now, it'd be the Sacramento Kings. I mean, just to see that that crowd, the energy, the cowbells, the beam, they've all they've got it all going on right now. And and one thing that they mention a lot in in a lot of their chats is the Mike Brown timeout. And not sure if you guys have noticed, but there will be games that Mike Brown will call a timeout 45 seconds into the game if he doesn't like what he sees. If the first couple possessions, they're not getting back on defense or there's a blown coverage defensively, he's calling what they're calling a Mike Brown timeout. And it seems to be working. Those guys respond. And so uh, a few of my buddies that have been watching the, the Sacramento Kings now, if, I, if I'm tuned into a game, they'll, they'll text me, Mike Brown timeout. And uh the effect he's had on this team this year, I think the responsibility he's putting on the players and allowing them to kind of dictate the success that they have on the floor, I think that goes from guys like, of course, De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis, but also guys like Kevin Herter, a guy that's just joined the team this year and it's been a huge addition. Uh, he's been great, and, and he's been very critical in games uh, with his body language on the sidelines, uh, You know, making sure that Keegan Murray, their fourth pick overall, is held accountable and, and Keegan's been taking it like a true professional. I think they got a really good rookie in there that wants to learn and, you know, is able to take, take criticism and, and wants to get better. And that's a good sign for a Sacramento team that has not always had rookies that would respond well to criticism. As we know, this is well, a great rookie class. I'll let you go in yeah. a sec, Mike. This is a great rookie class with Bancaro, Matherin in Indiana, Keegan Murray and Jaden Ivey. Those are four stud players just killing it for their teams. So anyway, go ahead, Mike. No, I, I couldn't agree more with that. It's been a really – it's really worked out with the draft. Uh, I'm going to play the uh, uh, gloomy Gus here when it comes <laughs> to the Kings and say just maybe pump the brakes just a second on the Kings. Uh, the last – the four games they've won in a row here, the four-game winning streak – the Rockets twice, <laughs> yeah. the Spurs, and the Magic. So they've gone up against the worst team, worst defensive team in the league in the Spurs, the third worst defensive team in the in the league in the Rockets twice, 
and another bottom 10 defensive team in the Magic. Now, that being said, they've absolutely destroyed these teams to the tune of an unbelievable 134.5 points per 100 possessions. That's an amazing number for for a team on a street you know run like that. And for the month they're they're scoring 126 points per 100 possessions and shooting their effective field goal percentage is almost 60. It's like 59.9 or something like that or 59. Those are amazing numbers to be on. So you give them credit. They're not exactly – these games are not close. That they're, They are uh, playing – if you couldn't – you couldn't schedule any better. You couldn't schedule – if you were Alabama in September playing football, this is the kind <laughs> of schedule you would, you would have if you, these four teams. Now – that being said, they're, they're having a, a really good run. They've got the three-pointers you mentioned with Huter is uh, is really impressive. They've really stepped it up in terms of just attempts. They didn't use it much last year as a town. I think only 20 – they were 23rd in percentage of attempts that were threes. This year they're in top 10. And they're shooting better than last year, so that means the higher percentage of your scoring is going to come from threes. It's a big improvement in that area. And – if they can keep it going, yeah, they they can be a factor come playoff time as well. They can be a factor in getting a home court for a first round. Yeah, have- I, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that world B because right now, as it stands in the Pacific Division, the Sacramento Kings are in first place and they hold a two and a half game lead over the Los Angeles Clippers. So first place in the Pacific. Uh, don't think anyone. Saw that happening this year for for the Sacramento team, and uh, no time to pump the brakes. Will be right now. They're banging cowbells and they're they're lighting beams, so <laughs> there's no break. Well, how many more games do they have against the Rockets? How many more? Games do they have? I'm just curious. I just want to make sure. Not Their enough. schedule Not does enough. get tougher, by the way. <laughs> just it does get tougher coming up. It don't. It can't get worse. So it, it can only get tougher. But it does get tougher coming up, and I'm I and will be, I will be very interested to see how they do going forward. But they've been impressive from almost from the start of the season. I want to talk about somebody on that team that doesn't really get any of the shine. I mean, we always talk about Sabonis. We talk about De'Aaron Fox. Harrison Barnes is aging like fine wine. He started every game. He's the only guy who's played every game for them, okay? He's in his 12th season. He's only 30, okay? <laughs> Remember, he was there at the beginning of the Warriors dynasty. Then they moved him out, you know, but he was there his first three years. He won a championship his third year. He was a starter on that team. Um, He's building a career that's probably not going to be a Hall of Fame career. But again, he's just, he's in his 12th season. It's hard not to root for this guy because he's always conducted himself, you know, with class. He's a UNC guy. There's, There's a little bit about his career that's, kind of making me feel a little Antoine Jameson, another UNC guy who just has been cons- was consistent. Now, Jameson is one of only two guys with 20,000 career points that's not in the Hall of Fame. So I don't know if that could change at some point, he and Tom Chambers. But I, I just want to you know give a little love to Harrison Barnes. 12 seasons in the league, only 30, playing great ball, averaging 15 and 5, uh, and providing veteran leadership on a team that has a number of youngish guys. And yeah, by the way, you're a- talking about Harrison Barnes with his streak. He's shooting almost 50% from three during the four games. I mean, he's just wow. he's unconscious right now from three-point range. So uh, another three-point threat that the the uh, Kings have is uh, 
obviously Harrison Barnes, and he's a big reason why they've won the four in a row. And Bruce, I'm glad you mentioned Harrison Barnes because that's a perfect segue here into our fourth quarter and, and just discussing the importance of depth and with how this year is going in particular with major stars out across the league, you know, it's an ultra important thing to have. And, and we're seeing some of the top teams have that depth. And uh, was just wondering if there's a team or two that that really stands out to you, Bruce, uh, that have depth and you've been very impressed with kind of just the options that they have. Well, we already talked about Memphis and that they would probably be number one on my list of teams that have, you know, incredible depth. But but take a good look at Denver's depth. I mean, we, we talked about him last week. You know, Bruce Brown, guy comes off the bench is like a shot of adrenaline when he comes into the game. Bones Highland, who's a who's a, you know, knockdown shooter shooting over 40 percent on threes comes off the bench for them. Uh, you mentioned Michael Porter Jr. has maybe not really been you know, that guy this year. But again, he started 29 games, averaging 16, shooting 40% on threes, good numbers. And then Contavious Caldwell-Pope is shooting almost 48% on threes uh, and leads the team with 42 starts. He started a, all but one game, 11.7 points. So to me, when you put those four guys next to the big three, you've got seven really legitimate double-figure scorers. Uh, and again, I think Denver is well positioned along with Memphis to, to come out of the West. One, one of those two teams, I believe will. Well, B, who do you have in mind for a team that has a lot of depth? Who stands out to you? Well, I, one of the teams that stands out for me, uh, we mentioned them earlier. I told it's the Pelicans, uh, yeah. the way they have had to use that depth as starters because of all the injuries, you know, they, they get Najee Marshall and Trey Murphy, the third are having to start right now. Because of uh, because of injuries to their guys, but that speaks to the quality of depth they have. These guys are not just uh, starting; they're contributing. They're they're getting double digit points, you know, per night. Uh, you look at the top five in net efficiency, net efficiency from the bench, and you look at the top five teams in terms of you know the best: Cleveland Cavaliers, one of the best teams in the league; Oklahoma City which is one of the up-and-coming teams all of a sudden. They have just a plethora of players they throw out there. <laughs> the Suns, who are, are a train wreck right now, but they have, you know, when they are got guys coming off the bench that should be on the bench, they're quality. Then you have the Pelicans, who are a team I just made, and the Celtics. Or no, these are the best, you know, these are the best teams in net efficiency from their bench. It's not a surprise you're talking about three of the best teams in the league. And another team that's up and coming that has just a bunch of young talent. Uh, it's so huge. Obviously, depth come playoff time. It's in, incredibly important. We will see the marginal player make a five or six minute contribution and becomes the start of the topic of the day. You know, from a for their play. So it's a huge issue. And you can just look at the boss for every night. Look at guys who are quality coming off the bench. Yeah. And my team going back to our third quarter would be the Sacramento Kings. I've mentioned it on a previous pod. You never know who it's going to be. And that kind of makes it fun, but also kind of scary for consistency. But they just have a lot of different options. Davion Mitchell brings a ton of energy on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Trey Lyles has been playing great for the team. I'll talk about him a little bit later in my best bets section of the uh, of the show. And then, you know, you, you got other Solid contributors and Rashawn Holmes that can bring energy at the five position. 
Uh, Malik Monk has had his fair share of high-scoring nights for, for Sacramento this year, kind of excelling them to victory. Uh, I, I really like how Mike Brown has utilized that bench, keeping everybody kind of involved and, and ready to go. Terrence Davis, another name that's had some big-time nights and even has started a few games for this team this year. So Sacramento would be be the team outside of the Pelicans in the West that uh, has really impressed me with their bench depth. They're going to need to, if they're going to add anything, they need some more rebounding. They're they're not a good rebounding team. You know, after Sabonis, their next highest rebounder is Barnes at five. So, yeah, uh, yeah no rebounds, no rings. Nope. You're right about that. So, we'll, we'll now get into our best bets part of the show. And today, what I want to do is talk about some hot players that are potentially good prop guys for bets or even fantasy league targets. And we're going to start off with the Oklahoma City Thunders. And uh, that is with Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy, as of recently, has been Giddy scoring the ball. He is 20 plus points in three straight games. And he has scored at least 20 points in eight of his last 12 outings. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, as we briefly touched upon, have started to kind of climb up the standings. They are in a play on a play in spot as of today. And a lot of that has to do with guys stepping up around SGA, and Giddy has been a big one of those. Second guy I want to talk about who's really putting together an impressive two- to three-week stretch here, Victor Oladipo. Uh, Coach Spo just came out recently and said that Depot is the Miami X-Factor this year, and he has certainly not disappointed here recently. In his last three games, he's averaging 18 points a game on 34 minutes a night, shooting at least 15 shots a game, so he's extremely active in that offensive system that Miami runs and he has hit two or three uh two or more triples in every game to go along with an average of two steals on the defensive end so Victor Oladipo has played huge especially in uh Tyler Hero's absence and looks to be be a guy that's going to be a big part of that rotation even with Hero back so uh keep an eye on Victor Oladipo the uh Miami Heat and lastly Trey Lyles Trey Lyles has scored 11 plus points in his last five games, and he was 10, he's 10 of 16 from downtown in that stretch, and he's really doing a great job spacing the floor, knocking, the, knocking down the open opportunities from the corner, and uh, he's giving you know Mike Brown a, another nice threat off that bench as we discuss their depth. So keep an eye on those three guys, and uh, I think this is a great opportunity for us to get right into our final thought here tonight, Bruce, and uh, let you uh, tee us up for that. Okay, uh, we're into overtime now. We've gone past the 48 yeah. minutes, but we know that everybody out there listening is just like hanging on our every word. So we have a <laughs> few more for you. We won't won't keep you all forever. But because today is, or Monday was, by the time you uh, hear this, uh, the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, uh, I just wanted to you know share a couple thoughts, and I know the other the fellows want to do the same. Uh, Martin Luther King to me is somebody who has never been replaced in our society. You know, leaders come and go, politicians come and go. But when we lost Martin Luther King, we lost somebody that was irreplaceable. In our society today, we're so fractured. You know, our politicians are mostly garbage, uh, and that goes for all of them for the most part. But with Martin Luther King, he was all about uniting people. He was all about judging people based on the content of their character, not on the color of their skin. Uh, just a wonderful leader, a hero, a personal hero to me. People have 
asked, you know, we all probably been asked the question, if you could have a meal with one person dead or living, you know, there's a lot of popular choices, you know, some would say Jesus Christ, some might say Abraham Lincoln, mine is Martin Luther King Jr. for many of the reasons I just stated. So uh, he'll always be remembered, he'll always be missed, he'll never be replaced. Will be? Well, you know, and thinking about what I wanted to say for uh, this segment in regards to uh, Dr. King, I started to think about and realize, you know, we're just a few years away, 2026, from our nation being 250 years old. And I can't think of, in the history of this country, good luck trying to find five more more influential people that we've had in this nation than Dr. King. It's, you know, you go back from the beginning, go back to the declaration of independence all the way to now and try and find five more people more influential for this country than Dr. King. I, I can't do it. Um, it was an amazing individual and it, I've said this before. I said, you know, there will never be another man like Dr. King, but these days we, we really could use one as a nation to have a, another one come along. I just don't know if there will be one uh, anytime soon. Well said there as well. For me, today is the second my, my second favorite day of the NBA schedule with the games. And not just the games, but I, I really do love the segments that the NBA puts out there with players, coaches, Previous players, other influencers talking about the impact Dr. King has had, not only on those around the league, but on our society, as you guys touched upon. And uh, what really was always special to me is my mom was actually a civics teacher. She was an eighth grade civics teacher. And Dr. King was one of her favorite topics to teach her kids about. And kind of tying it back to my days in the NBA, you know, we saw it. Today in, in the NBA games with the, the special Dr. King uh, warm-up shirt that all teams wear uh, in unity, um, that was one shirt. And one thing I always did was uh, made sure I got my hands on one of those T-shirts for my mom and something special that she was able to share with her students and would always wear it the week that she was going to discuss just the tremendous impact that uh, Dr. King had on the world. And uh that, that, that's my favorite memory of, of the MLK holiday tied in with the NBA and uh, know that I, I was always taught and brought up with the values that Dr. King had uh, you know, shared with the world. And, and he was always a huge impact uh, in the classroom for my mom during that topic. And uh, just seeing those shirts even today while I'm out of the league just puts a smile on my face knowing uh, she used to wear that and, and you know, would teach the younger generations of, of his very very strong teaching points on how we should treat one another and how we're all equal. So that's all I got, gentlemen. Anything else from you guys before we go ahead and put this overtime to rest? Not from me. I think we we kind of put a nice exclamation point on a very special uh, day in basketball uh, uh, in honor of a very special hero. All right. Well, with that, we want to thank you for tuning in to episode 10 of the 48 Minutes podcast on Believe. Before you go, be sure to hit like and subscribe, and we'll be back with you on Friday for episode 11. Take care, everybody.